needs some motivation on your Chinese business endeavor, may be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about, or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China. Then this is your show, China Business Cast. Hey, this is Lina, your host of China Business Cast. Today we will be talking about something very, very important for anyone in food and beverage business. As you know, since January the 1st, for anybody trying to import food and beverage products and clear customs in China, you will need to have a special registration number for your manufacturer issued by General Administration of China Customs. The database was just launched on November 25, and just last week, on December 8, we had a webinar with the person who actually created this new regulation for China market from China Customs attending the webinar and explaining why this was done this way, what it looks like from the back system, how to register. So this episode today will explain to you why this is important to see that this new regulation is just leveling the playing field with other countries that have had this regulation for years, like India or United States. And the other thing that we're doing is we're getting into very particular questions on how to register by yourself. If you're trying to register, this is the episode for you. Also, it's available on EUSME Center's YouTube channel. You can see the video and uh, see the people who were working on it. So... I know it's a little bit tense to get it done in such a short period of time, but the good news is that for any product that was manufactured before January 1st, 2022, you will not need to include the registration number on the label yet. You will just need to have this registration approved by the customs. And for simple products that don't need to have bilateral agreements in between the countries, it's possible to get it done in seven days. So, yeah, for anyone in food and beverage, this is the episode for you. I hope uh, you learn a lot and I hope it's useful. So here it is. And thanks for tuning in. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, or good afternoon to who is come, joining from China. My name is Alessio Petino. I'm the Knowledge Coordinator of the USME Center based in Beijing. It is my great pleasure to be here today and to host this webinar. Today, the topic is about the two new regulations published by the Chinese Customs a few months ago that are causing a lot of pain and troubles among many European food and drink producers. We have been approached by many companies, at least a dozen, uh, several dozens of companies in the, in the previous weeks asking us questions about this uh, procedure. And this is why today we are partnering up with two excellent consulting firms and speakers to deliver this webinar today. So we are going to have four speakers. The first presentation will focus on some practical tips from 12 years of experience about what types of EU food and beverage brands are successful in China on the long term and why while the second presentation will focus on the what, why, where, and who needs to register on the customs platform. And it will also include some aspects relating to labeling. 
Third presentation will guide you through this registration procedure on the system, on the custom systems, while uh, the last presentation will be, we, we, uh, we are very privileged to be joined by an officer from Chinese customs who will provide, who will provide an interpretation of these provisions. Before we start, I would like to make a couple of remarks. If you have any questions, and I believe many of you are uh, have many questions, please submit them in the Q&A section, which you can find on the bottom of the, of the Zoom. But I would also actually welcome you to actively exchange information, interact in the chat, maybe introduce who you are, what kind of problems are, do you have, and exchange your views and, and ideas with all the other participants. Second remark is that today's webinar, we are now using English, but at some point we will switch to Chinese. And in order, but we have a range simultaneous interpretation, and in order to access it, you have to click on the interpretation button on the bottom and select English. I will let you know when we are going to switch into Chinese. Also, I would like to spend a couple of minutes about the on the USME Center. We have many new participants today who never join our events. So the USME Center is a project funded by the European Commission. It it started to be funded since 2010, and our objective is to help European small and medium enterprises to export to China and to get ready to do business with China. Uh, we are in a third phase, and which will run until March 2022, but then there will be a fourth phase coming, so, so we will be around for a while. We are implemented by a consortium of five chambers of commerce and business organizations, which you can find on the bottom of this slide. And among these, uh, with the coordinator is the China-Italy Chamber of Commerce, who has been very active in supporting or the organization of this webinar. We partner up with a lot of government business agencies, and we have a physical office in Beijing, which is where I am now. Very briefly, we provide four types of service. One is the knowledge center. Basically, we write reports, guidelines, and case studies on different aspects of doing business with China, sector-specific reports, but also on cross-cutting issues. We have also an advice center, which is a sort of help desk that through which we provide technical assistance to SMEs which have questions to us. You can send us questions anytime and we will have experts answering this for you for free. We have a training center, basically that what we're doing now, we're organized training sessions on different aspects. And last, we have an advocacy platform through which we try to disseminate information about new regulations or draft for comments on regulations and so on. We are going to have a lot of other activities um, this month, but also in, in, the, in the next ones. Some of them, as you can see, uh, 16 of January related to, well, non, it's pet food, but no, not human food, but then there will be another one also in January. It will be a big forum on food and drinks. We have issued recently a series of reports, which uh, might be useful for, for the audience, including one on e-commerce. And we are also uh, about finalizing one on private labeling for food and beverage products. And all, all this information you can find on our website for free. You just need to register and you will need to be approved, but it, this will take a couple of working days. We also have, um, as I mentioned, this advice, uh, ask the expert function, frequently ask questions and so on. So I would invite you to visit our website if you, if you have not done it yet. So now uh, I will move into the 
of this webinar, I would introduce you the, the first speaker. Um, the first speaker is Lina. Lina, she's the founder and managing director of Litao Consulting Group. Litao is a full service China market entry solutions for food and beverage brands. And Lina is about to share with you how to be compliant with these regulations and how to be more profitable in China. Lina has lived in Shanghai for 12 years. She is very fluent in Chinese and she has closed negotiations, uh, business negotiations with over 1,000 successful B2B meetings. She will also help you navigate the current landscape for European food and beverage brands and will help you understand how you can win Chinese consumers' trust and succeed long-term in China. So Lina, because she's traveling in these days, so um, her connection is not very stable. So, uh, but she has sent to us pre-recorded presentation and I'm going to display it now. Thank you. Hey, thanks Liam for your nice introduction and thank you USME Center for having me here today. I have an important message, so I'm really happy to be able to present. Well, if anybody is here today, you already know that since January 1st, there is going to be a significant upgrade in how food and beverage products are being imported into China. I know that many of my European clients have gotten very stressed and even angry saying, wow, so there are new restrictions coming out in China. Again, however, I think that's not actually what's happening at all. Such uh, registration processes have existed in many countries, including the US and India for many years. And what China is doing right now seems like uh, it's just creating a fair playing field, which will actually be providing many benefits to premium imported food and beverage brands, especially the brands from the EU. I know that many of you haven't been to China for some time, so maybe it's difficult to imagine what the choices for the consumers in China might look like today. So let me give you a tour. Which one of these two products do you think is imported? The one on the left or the one on the right? Well, both of them have some Chinese, both of them have some English, but they actually look very similar. Well, the product that's imported is the one on the left. It's imported from Japan. Some of you might say, well, Lina, you know, Japan, China, maybe it's similar cultures, maybe products do look very similar. So let me give you another example. Which one of these two products do you think is imported? The one on the left or the one on the right? Well, there is a clue in this one. There is a French flag just above the brand Kiri, but they both look very similar. But the product on the left really embraces the fact that it's imported. It even says so in Chinese, imported with original packaging from France. And this is an example of what looking, working very closely with a local distributor might look like. This particular brand exports and distributes in over 120 countries. And so they know that this is exactly the way to do it. But in this case, the differences between these two products are not extreme because both of them are high quality products because the product on the right is also using European know-how as it is a subsidiary of a European firm. But in this case, it's a totally different story. Which of these products do you think is imported? Actually, none of them is imported, but this is what comes out if I insert that the Chinese name of Jägermeister, Yego, into a Chinese shopping platform, Taobao. And many Chinese consumers don't know the English name because they're maybe lazy to read these complicated long names, or maybe they don't know English. So they usually know your brand only by its Chinese name. So when you go to a KTV for a party in those smaller towns, it is expected that the KTV will prepare a set of drinks and snacks 
for the whole package of people who just arrived. And there will be choices for ladies and for boys and for the whole night. So I actually imagine that somebody must have approached Jägermeister with this after noticing this market gap. Because that's happen- that happens to me all the time with the distributors we work with. They listen to the consumers. They report back on how to build a product that's better. And that the one, the product that the consumer will be happy to buy. So in China, if you don't listen, there will be somebody who listens. And then they will have this very unfair competitive advantage. Because they will not invest so much time in developing a product. They will not be spending so much money on developing this product. The product will be significantly cheaper because it is not imported. And they will have all this money to be spending on uh, marketing and sales activities and reaching those uh, consumers in KTV first. So when we get approached by a new brand that wants to enter China market, that's what we look at first. What are the local brands doing that we will need to learn in order to succeed in China market. Now, why is this regulation coming all out of the sudden? Nobody can tell for sure. There was no such, you know, public information revealed. And it seems like it's already quite possible to know whether the product is imported or not by the label. But there have been cases where the labels have been significantly mishandled and the transparency in supply chain has become extremely important during the time of COVID-19. And now with this regulation, there will be a number on the packaging which will show that it's been imported and the Chinese consumers want that security. So it seems like this move is happening because the Chinese consumers have new demands. Now, what I noticed happen as a result of these regulations is that all serious exporters in the EU already started working with their importers very closely in filling in information about the products on the database. Now, the database, sometimes in English, sometimes in Chinese, but mainly in Chinese if you go deeper into it. So it is a very positive development that they really work as a team. However, I want to stress again and again that Getting this registration number doesn't mean that you're compliant with Chinese market regulations or Chinese food and beverage standards. It only means that you have a number. So it is very important to go through required checks and see whether this product really adheres to the Chinese regulations. So the speaker after me will be talking to you about what they do and how they do these compliance checks. They're always analyzing the national standards. They're identifying the suitable HS codes for China market. And now they even started working to help you register for this GCC registration code. So the next speaker will be talking about this. But now allow me to share some examples of how I have worked with uh, my clients to achieve long-term success in China. So first, I think it's very important to have the right way to present yourself and to present your product. Here on the left is an example of a European product listing. And to your eyes, there's nothing wrong with it. The listing is about the product. Now on the right, you see a Chinese product listing. And you might be surprised to see the flowers on on the cutting board. I personally cannot imagine flowers on my cutting board. So what has it got to do with the mayonnaise? Well, let me share a different perspective. I approached my teammate with this question. 
she has a master's degree from the U.S. She's 25. She's returned to China, highly educated. I asked her why like this. Well, she said, you have to understand that I'm a single child. So she's cared for by her parents, by four grandparents. And all of these people have been saving up to 60% of them, their income every month in order to be able to provide a better future for her. So everything was always prepared for her. So she wants that experience. She says, I want to see that this product has been prepared for me. So understanding this mindset of a Chinese consumer is what my company does. Because if you went to any of Chinese, on Chinese e-commerce site with a European style product listing, you will fail. Now, this slide shows the uniqueness of my company, the USP. We help the clients localize when working with the Chinese distributor. The product above, mayonnaise, is a great product, but we know like this it will not be selling in China because the consumers, they have different eating habits and therefore their needs are significantly different. This product in China is seen as a premium item for a premium lifestyle. Therefore, we needed to redesign it to make it look premium, make smaller packaging to make the product sweeter, so change all the formulation to create a lifestyle where this product could be consumed, and now it's successful. And this is an example of a Chinese B2B communication. You can see the products are presented in painstaking detail. This is the product, this is what it was in it, this is how it's cooked, this is the kind of people that would be eating it, this is how it's eaten. But if you look very closely, you will see that all of this information is not only in the catalog, but also on the product packaging itself. So maybe for you it would look redundant. But this is how the B2B catalogs in China usually look. And the reason why it's not redundant is because the, ch the things keep changing so rapidly. And it's more important to have the speed than to have perfection in China. And you need to be able to grasp the key information very quickly. The distributors themselves need to be educated. They need to know that you care about them. And they need to know that you're here to answer any question. Unlike a European distributor who is likely to work things out themselves, the distributors here in China often have to educate their own sub-distributors before they can have these products on the shelves. So we need to leave them to do what they do best, to sell and to get the message across in their networks. And this is the kind of relationship you would have to be building with your supplier. This supplier makes more than 10 million euros a year and she's personally guiding us through her warehouse, telling us all about the products that we can see in the warehouse. Or you have to make this kind of relationship. This person, when you talk to him, he gives you his business card, there's no email. So you're forced to add him on WeChat and you meet more than 500 such people a day. And you end up becoming friends first and only then business partners. And that's, I think, the key to understand business in China is that first you work with people and only then you work with companies. So if you think that you didn't understand China before, now after the pandemic, it's even more Chinese. So if you want to know more, I do have an email because I'm European. Please reach out and let's have a chat.
So this was the presentation from Lina. By the way, Lina, she's online. She's connected to this webinar. So she will leave her contact details here. And at the same time, she will be ready to interact with any of your questions. So thank you, Lina, again. Also, another reminder, we will send all the slides after this webinar to all the participants. We are also recording the webinar and we will upload it on, our, on the USME Center's YouTube channel. So you can also rewatch it later. I will now move into the second presentation. So the, the second speaker is Mr. Raymond. He is a regulatory affairs consultant and Accessra. Accessra is a very niche and great consulting firm. And Raymond has extensive knowledge. He has a master's degree from the University of Nottingham. He has extensive knowledge on the Chinese food and beverage, cosmetics and pharmaceutical import and export regulations. He specializes in China's national standard and the impact that they have on international businesses. He has vast insights and practical experience in dealing with Chinese market access requirement and has accumulated a successful track record of with supporting international exporters with market entry into China. So Raymond, thank you for being with us. I'll stop sharing my screen so you can show your slides and the floor is yours. Thank you. So very good morning to everyone and uh, thank you very much Alicia for the introduction and Lena for her presentation. So my name is Raymond and I work for Accestra Consulting. So supporting with food and beverage companies with compliance and registration. So for the next 10 minutes, I will provide an overview of JCC registration before passing on to my colleague and then the customs officer to share in more detail. So the agenda of my presentation covers the four W's of GACC registration, what, why, who, and where. And the final half of the presentation will focus on the labeling requirements. So JCC stands for China Customs. And what is GACC registration? So the source refers to the release of two new policies, namely Decree 249 and 248. You may have heard of this uh, now. So Decree 249 is the measures on import and export food safety, whereas Decree 248 refers to GACC registration for food manufacturers. So according to these two policies, all food manufacturers exporting to China must register with GACC. So the key points for Decree 248 include all manufacturers for food, processors, storage facilities must be registered with GACC. And the registration deadline is on January the 1st, 2022. And it's important to register to avoid risk of customs clearance delays and also trade disruptions. So the scope of the scope includes all food and beverage products. And depending on the product category, the food producers must register with GACC through either two pathways. Either you register through the recommendation by the country competent authority, or you register by self-registration, which I'll share in more detail later. All application materials should be submitted in English or Chinese. The registration number should be indicated on the China label and also the carton. The registration validity is five years. So why GACC registration? So it's a policy actually introduced under the China food safety law. And the purpose of the policy is to share the, risk, the food safety risks and the responsibilities to the manufacturer and also the exporter country government. 
This is so the local export government is held accountable for the enterprises they recommend. And the key objective is for the food manufacturers to be more responsible for their food safety and also the quality of their production. So the end goal is to protect the Chinese consumer, to enhance consumer confidence and also trust in the food safety system. So there are two registration pathways. Either you register by yourself, uh, self-registration, or you obtain the registration by recommendation of the local competent authority. So who needs to register? So all overseas food manufacturers, including the manufacturing, processing, and storage enterprises need to do the registration. But if you're an exporter, not the manufacturer, processor, or storage facilities, then you have to do a different type of uh, filing. So not this GACC registration. And customs divided the registration pathway according to the product category's risk level. So the higher the risk product category, such as meat, dairy, health foods, or others shown in the table under pathway one, this requires the registration by recommendation of the local competent authority. But all of the lower risk food categories, like your prepackaged biscuits, your chocolates, these types of products would be considered lower risk. So GACC only requires the food manufacturer to do self-registration, or you can entrust a local agent like Accestra to support. So where to register? You shall register on the single window cipher platform where you can access on the following link shown on this slide. So if, if you've not registered already, you will firstly need to create an account, username and password. If you need assistance with the registration, you may contact me later for support with the registration. So this page is the interface after login. So you click the application for registration and on the left column, scroll down to the page, you see enterprise registration. You select the correct food category for your product. And then for the self-registration procedure, Lavinia and the GACC officer will provide more detailed introduction after my presentation. And if you're not sure whether you should go through the recommendation pathway or the self-registration pathway, you can actually check and identify by inputting the HS code of your product. So you can input by clicking on the product type on the left column, and then you can input the HS code in the search bar. And then the system will automatically show you whether you should self-register or not. And the result is highlighted in the right column here. If you have multiple product categories, then you can also search uh, the HS codes and check them all. Now, moving on to the labeling requirements. So as Lena mentioned in her presentation, after getting the GACC registration number, this does not mean that your product and labeling is approved and compliant by customs. It's not their responsibility to check compliance. So therefore, it is the manufacturer or the exporter's responsibility to make sure you're also compliant to the labeling regulations according to China's rules. And to make sure that your products are compliant to GB7718 and other related China national standards. 
So according to the new labeling standards under decree 248, the manufacturer shall mark the registration number or the registration number approved by the competent authority of the exporting country to be displayed on the inner and outer packaging of the food label. So one thing to note is uh, only the Chinese label requires the registration number, whereas the original label in the native language does not, does not need. If the products are shipped to China after January the 1st deadline, without the labeling of the registration number, then according to the current policy, it's allowed to paste a separate sticker with the GACC number on the packaging when the products arrive into China. So not to worry. Usually the importer or a third party agent can support with labeling and pasting when the products arrive. So Lavinia and the JCC officer will share more details later about this also. Or you can also ask during the Q&A. When designing a Chinese label, so you must comply with the Chinese labeling requirements. And usually there are nine mandatory items which you should include on the China label. So one is the product name, two is the net weight, three is the storage instructions, four is the nutritional panel, Five is the shelf life. Six is the ingredients list. Seven is the contact information of the importer. Eight is the country of origin. And most recently, under the new decree, you have to also include the GACC registration number. So the exact layout and format and the requirement of how to label the registration number on the China label will be updated in due course. So please watch out for any policy changes and stay up to date. Thank you. And if you need, if you require GACC registration assistance or compliance, or you have any questions, you can feel free to get in touch on my email, info at accessstra.com. Alternatively, if you're China savvy and you have WeChat, you can also scan my WeChat code. So now I will pass on to Alicia to introduce Lavinia, who will provide a more detailed information on the registration procedure and the steps. Thank you very much. Thank you, Raymond, for the excellent presentation. Now I'm delighted to introduce Senior Regulatory Consultant at Accessra Consulting. She has over 10 years of experience in the food industry and she's an expert in China food laws, regulations and national standards. Her day-to-day -day job covers regulatory compliance in food labeling, product registration and advising international companies with market access to China. So without further ado, we very uh, we thank and welcome Lavinia to present the procedures and the steps to register with JACC. So here the consultant Lavinia is switching to Chinese. We have cut out this part of the podcast episode, but you could listen to it in Chinese with the subtitles in English on the YouTube link that we're providing below. Thank you, Lavinia, for the great presentation. We are receiving a lot of questions. I would invite you please to write them in the Q&A section of the Zoom rather than in the chat. This will allow us to track them more easily and to, and to respond to all of them. So we have 
We have received a call from the officer, from the customs officer, who is going to be slightly late. So in the meantime, we decided to answer some of the questions asked so far. And then once the officer arrives, we will uh, switch to his presentation. So Raymond, I believe most of the questions are for you and Lavinia. So please uh, answer you. Many of them are similar, but you can answer, you can start answering them. Sure. So Alicia, uh, shall we read out the question and then answer? Or will you read out the question? Yes, please. You can also group them together because I see many questions are similar relating to labeling or to packaging in or other packaging. So you can, it's up to you. Okay, sure. So uh, maybe I can start with uh, a question by Anesta. So uh, hi, hi, Anesta. I'm just going to read out your question and then answer. So Anesta's question is, hello, we produce beverages. If our products have English front labels and back Chinese label, must we put the Chinese code on products? What if the product is only with English labels? So just to clarify uh, that the code or the registration number should only be on the Chinese label. So that, that's the only mandatory requirement. So for the original English label, it does not require the, the GACC registration number. So usually you would have a sticky pasted label in Chinese. So you, you would stick it over the original label in the native language. And then the Chinese label is the label that should contain the GACC registration number. And a second question we have from uh, Valada. So Valada has a question, is it necessary to have GACC registration code on each product unit or only the transportation packaging? That's a very good question, uh, Valada. It should be on the, the registration number should be printed on the Chinese label of the minimum sales unit. So actually also needs to be on the retail pack. And in addition, the carton, so the packing for the shipment. So the carton also requires the GACC number. It is not required, again, to print this number on the original English label of the retail pack, but must be on the minimum sales unit only. So thank you. Thank you for your question there. Maybe if I can ask, I saw a lot of questions say, what happens if I don't register by 1st of January? Does it mean that they will not be able to export anymore? Maybe this is an easy question, I think. And my understanding is that you will not be able to export. And then if you try to export, your products will be destroyed or, or returned, of course, I think. Until you register, of course. Is my understanding correct? Yes. As I just mentioned before, when the product arriving at the port, your importer should provide the registered registration number to the local customs. If you don't provide the registration number, then the product will not be import, cannot be imported. Yeah. I just want to add, if, as I mentioned earlier, maybe you've already have uh, shipments on the way to China without the uh, GACC registration number. So in, in this situation, uh, not, not to worry too much because you can also uh, attach or paste the GACC registration number when the products arrive at the China port. So usually the third party company or the importer might be able to support with sticking the, the GACC number on, on the packaging in addition after the deadline. 
But yes, uh, the, the deadline is very clear on, on the regulation that it should be registered by January the 1st next year. Very clear. Thank you. Uh, all the questions, there are quite a few in the, in the Q&A. Yeah. And again, I would invite all the participants to write the questions in the Q&A section rather than in the chat. Otherwise, it might be difficult for us to follow them. Okay. So uh, I can see another question uh, from an anonymous attendee. A good question. I read out the question. It's, hello, uh, if we want to export UHT milk, registration cannot be done by ourselves. Could you please specify who would be that competent authority which we have to reach out for registration filing? Thank you. So this question uh, is a good question. Uh, so UHT Milk, uh, you're right, should be registered uh, through recommendation by the local authority. And the local authority or the competent authority will depend on which country you're, it's manufactured. So usually it is the related authority relating to Ministry of Agriculture or along those lines. So that would be the best place to reach out to. Thank you. Lavinia, you want to add something? I just saw a question from Sensor. <laughs> yeah, he asked about enterprise registration categories. If there are many products under one category range, should products registered one by one or only register one product and load one picture, please? The answer is you need to register the product one by one and upload the picture of each product to the Cypher system. Is it clear? To me, this, I also maybe something related to this. I saw one question. Uh, I think there might be cases of, of a company having different production facilities. And sometimes these production facilities are even in different European countries. So in this case, what would be the solution? Do they need to register just once or all the facilities or... Yes, according to our understanding and our communication with the GSCC officer, the answer would be the registration is depending on the site, the manufacturing site. So if you have different sites, then you should register the, do re the registration for each site. Is okay. it clear? Mm? I think it is. Any other questions that you can see in the while we wait for the officer to join us, uh, if there are other questions uh, you want to answer. Yeah, sure. I see a question. Uh, what happens if the enterprises want to register food from the 18 categories next year? So pre-registration will be closed, right? Actually, if you would like to register your product from one of the higher risk 18 categories next year, it, it's no problem, it's possible. So you would have to reach out to your local competent authority to let them know your interest to sell into the China market. And then your local competent authority will then review your application uh, together and then submit this on your behalf to GACC. So GACC will then review the application. They have a, a schedule which they follow and they will then have the opportunity to review your category. But in terms of the timeline, there is no clear timeline of when it, it will be approved for your company, but it's not closed. It, it still will be open. Thank you, Ramon. Lavinia, other questions? 
Yes, here Ruben also asked what about products manufactured before Jan 1st that arrived to China after that date and have the Chinese label printed from manufacturer rather than a sticker upon arrival. Yes, as just mentioned, it is allowed to paste a separate sticker with the registration number on the packaging. So even if you have the Chinese label printed on the packaging, it doesn't matter. You can stick a separate you know, registration number on the packaging. Thank you. Raymond? I see another question uh, from, from uh, Julia uh, Sappen. It looks quite, it seems quite worried that it seems quite impossible that all companies exporting to China to register by deadline of January 1st. So I assume there will be one more deadline. Would that, would that be possible? Or could there be another deadline? Actually, uh, right now, uh, the deadline is uh, quite clear. It is January the 1st. But, so the answer is nobody knows whether China Customs will extend this deadline or provide some flexibility or grace period for the exporters uh, later on after the deadline. But at the moment, assume that it, that will be the deadline. And also, I think it would be a, a good question to ask the uh, customs officer later to see if uh, it's possible to give uh, such a grace period uh, or, or some flexibility. So uh, thanks for that question. Yeah, here I have this question. If the registration, registration number is printed on the bottom of milk powder can, will this also be accepted by the GACC? Currently, there is no requirement for the place or the area where the registration number should be printed or pasted. So yes, it is acceptable to have it on the bottom of the can. Yeah, there's, there's another question uh, I would like to answer from Antonelli the, the Rita. So his question is about labeling. Can the label be in Italian and English? For the products already exported, do we have to inform our distributor? Yes, it is advised to uh, inform your distributor. The label should be in Chinese, so it's mandatory to have a Chinese label. So the registration number should be in the Chinese label and not the Italian or the English label. So the key point is to have it on the Chinese label. And if it's already been exported, then make sure to let your distributor know and to ask them to help you maybe paste another sticker with the GACC registration number over the, uh, over, over the Italian or English label. Thank you, Raymond. Uh, before giving the floor to Lavinia again, I would like to, uh, I noticed a few questions, again, asking if I'm not the manufacturer, but I'm just a distributor or exporter of the food and beverage product. We mentioned at the beginning of the presentation that in this case, they don't need to register through GACC. They need to do another filing, but it's, it's different from the single window that we are talking about now. The single window is just for manufacturers, process, processing and, and storage enterprises. Am I correct? Yeah, so maybe Lavinia, uh, could you help answer this question about exporter filing, uh, import and exporter filing? Yes, the import and exporter filing and the manufacturer registration system is different. They are different systems and should be done in different systems. If you are only the exporter and you don't 
manufacture or process or store the products, then you don't need to do the manufacturer registration. You only need to do exporter filing. So they are different. Yeah. So all exporters who do not manufacture, so for example, brand owners who do not own manufacturing, they must do the exporter filing rather than the the GACC registration of uh, manufacturers. So if you would like the link to the uh, exporter filing, then you can reach out to us later. We can share the link with you. Yes, and I want to add one thing that if you are a storage enterprise, but you only store the prepackaged food and in the room temperature, then it is not required to do the manufacturer registration. So the precondition is prepackaged food and room temperature and do not, there's no other processing. So in under this condition, you don't need to do the manufacturer registration. Thank you, Lavinia. Other questions you had? Yeah. So Lavinia, there's a question, uh, quite an interesting one is, there are, in the registration system, it requires the detailed ingredients and the uh, specification. So the question one attendee has is, the suppliers are confused about how to input this detailed information. And some are quite unwilling to provide detailed ingredients lists and formulation, such as the raw material percentage and the production process, because they're confidential. So what suggestions do you have to advise overseas suppliers? Can you share some of your opinions on this? Yes. Actually, in the current system, the details for the ingredients or formula is not mandatory. You optional to choose whether you, you want to fill in the details or not. So it is not mandatory. If you are willing to input all the details, then the ingredients information should include the ingredient name and the source or origin of the raw materials and the proportion in the final product. That is all. Yeah. So just to summarize, uh, currently it's not mandatory to input the formulation, but it's there just as an option if you want to include anyway. And another question about cross-border e-commerce. So if the exporter is selling on cross-border e-commerce, is it necessary to register? The GACC registration or the decree 248 is not applicable to cross-border e-commerce. So if you sell products through cross-border e-commerce, then you don't need to register. Yeah. So, so if you sell on cross-border e-commerce only, so like selling on the platform, the cross-border platforms, including Timor, JD, so the cross-border sections do not require the GACC registration. So you can just trade as usual without the registration. I'm just uh, uh, maybe, looking at additional questions. <laughs> uh, there are there are quite a few, and I think there are at least five I counted uh, yeah. about. Well, I, I think in Europe it's very common sometimes to outsource the production of a certain product under one brand to another company or to so cases like this. And and what happens in these cases? Who needs to be the one doing the registration? The subcontractor, let's say, or the original company. The company who export products to China should register. So if you don't 
export products or raw material to China, or you just provide raw material to, to other companies, then you don't need to register. The finished product who export products to China should register. Am I clear? I think so. I think if it's, if, if it's not clear, I think I would invite people who ask this question to provide more details or resubmit it. Yes. Here I have the food products we produce include 18 high-risk products and beyond 18 low-risk products. Shall we register them separately? For example, some with local authorities, some we do ourselves. Yes, if your products cover both within the 18 categories or beyond the 18 categories, then you should register separately. As I just mentioned in my presentation, under this condition, you should go to your competent authority for, for the account rather than you register the account in Cypher system by yourself. So when you get the account from your competent authority, then you can use this account to register in the system. If they are high risk, then you should register them by, uh, through your competent authority. If they are low risk, then you just do, do it by yourself. Nice. Thanks, Lavinia. So there's another good question here, which I noticed uh, and asked by many companies also. If it's better to register, is it better to register all the categories now or add them later? So as uh, food and beverage importers in China, can we just select all the categories? Because we do not import all of them now, but we might import them in the future. Mm, yes, if you can register all the categories now, then yes, it, it's more convenient for you to import them in the future. But the workload may be quite big. Yeah, so, or, and the review of the, the DSCC review timeline may be longer than you just, uh, you know, register one or two categories. Maybe sorry for the interruption. We are expecting, we are experiencing some delay from our customs officer who was in a meeting. Hopefully he should be here soon. But in any case, we will keep answering all the questions we receive. I also see there is still some confusion about through what platform exporters only need to register. Maybe if you have a link of that platform, if you can write it in, in the chat somewhere. So not the GACC registration, but the one for exporters. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll post that in the link right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll find the link right. in there. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Maybe something also, uh, two questions which I think are very interesting. Have you ever seen any products already with this registration number on the market already? Or, or it's still, I think this is a very interesting question. Yes, I have not seen any product with the registration number, but I know that some companies have already completed the registration and got the registration number, but it is not mandatory to, you know, to mark the registration number on the label before January 1st. So I think maybe no company will do, do it now. They will do that after deadline. I just wanted to add that because the registration numbers have only just been recently, recent is a quite recent event. So I think in terms of companies trying to edit the label and, and then and then roll out in production will take will take some time. So that's why we've not we've not seen any uh, on the market yet. But increasingly that will that will be more of an occurrence in the future. Yes, and I want to add that actually for 
dairy products, meat products, both nest and the four categories products they have the manufacturers of the four categories have already been registered by GSEC actually always. So you, you may find the registration number of a dairy products on the market because they have already got the registration number before. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe another pretty easy question, I think. How many days uh, are needed once you submit the application until you receive the number? Because maybe sometimes people might be worried, you know, we're approaching Christmas and if I do it uh, right after Christmas, will I be on time to before 1st of January or how long does it take usually? Actually, the timeline is not clear. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can, so I can only say the timeline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not an easy question. Yeah, and, and especially overwhelming amount of companies have uh, submitted the application. So there's just not enough uh, resources for GACC customs offices to review the applications. So this will be uncertain until a lot more the applications have been reviewed and approved. So the suggestion is to do it as soon as possible. Yeah, yes, yes. And it's likely to be on, a, on an order list. So the earlier you have uh, submitted the application, the earlier your, your, your application is likely to be reviewed and then issued. So this should be, yeah, then as soon as possible, I would suggest. Yes, and according to our communication with the GSCC officer, they said that they will try their best to complete the registration before January the 1st, and they don't want to make any you know, influence on the trade. Yeah, so if you can you know, submit the registration as soon as possible, then you will get the registration number as soon as possible. So just uh, going through uh, some more questions, uh, let me have a look. <laughs> I love it, yeah. There's one question. It's a factory in Italy that produces uh, chocolate. And they're, in, they're not a high-risk category. So their importer agent will help them get the registration on the single window. And the importer asked, the importer asked them for a number, something called Huang Guangjia Zhu Te Hao. Changjia Zhu Te Hao. What is that exactly? And, and which authority in Italy should issue the number? And how many figures or how many numbers is it generally? Because they do not know how to explain to their colleagues in Italy what we need. So um, it'd be great if, if, you could, uh, if you could help answer that. Actually, the Number means the registration number approved by the local competent authority. So the uh, registration number approved by local competent authority are different in different countries. So there's no you know, general, for example, uh, how many numbers or, or what it should be like. Maybe you can find, find the number on your business license. Or if, if you have the, you know, duty paragraph, the number on your duty paragraph, because the, the number, there's no clear, you know, no clear requirement for the registry number approved by the local competent authority. But always, generally, the registry number should be the number on business license or the duty paragraph or the number of your production certificate. Yeah, so uh, there's another question uh, by Maria. Is it the same if the registration is done by the importer or exporter 
for not risky products. What do you mean by importer or export? The importer and exporter only need to do the filing. Do you mean the importer or exporter will do the registration on behalf of the manufacturer? If so, then you should first, you know, just as I said, create an account on the Cypher system. And then you need to give your importer or exporter the account and password and all the detailed product information, then they can fill in the tables or fill in the, or fill in the systems to complete the registration. So the account should be owned by the manufacturer. Okay, thank you. Uh, another question, Lavinia, uh, from Axel Del Spurlet. Excuse if uh, I'm not pronouncing the name properly. For products already in China, but stored in bonded warehouse and already with Chinese labels, do they have to add the registration number on the inner packaging once it's been released from the bonded warehouse? Good question. Yeah, good question. <laughs> if the product will be released before January the 1st, then no need to paste the registration mm. number. But if it will be released after that deadline, then yes, the registration number should be pasted on the packaging. Because the bonded warehouse is not considered the, you know, in the territory of China. So it's just uh, outside China. Great, thank you. Another question we have uh, from Mihalova and Mihalova. Lavinia, uh, there's a mother and daughter company should register the final product with GAC. Final product can be made in one EU country and exported to China by another EU country. It is the company who, who manufacturing or processing the product that need to do GACC registration. If the mother company only export the product, but without any processing or manufacturing, then the mother company do not need to do the GACC registration. So, but it needs to do another registration, right? On another system for export. Yeah, exporter, exporter filing. Right. Yeah. If you can, if you have the link to this system, would be would be very appreciated. If you can paste it in the chat. Yeah, Lavinia, could you could you search uh, the GAC yeah, uh, filing now and then share on the uh, live chat? If it's the IRE from the custom system, then then I can also paste it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the uh, the link. So the Zhenghuaicuoukouxiang或代理商信息备案系统. Yes, yes, correct. Okay, so I'll write it in the chat. Thank, thank you, uh, Alicia, for sharing that in the chat. Okay. So I so, guess the customs officer <laughs> is not going to join us, unfortunately. But in any case, we keep uh, answering questions now. Okay. So maybe we can answer some questions which uh, were pre-selected for the GACC officer. Sure. Do you want me to share the screen? Yes. Okay. Uh, but I think we have answered most of these questions. I think there's one okay. question uh, about if there's one company with four different manufacturing sites. Yeah. But also, also the second here on, la on labeling, is there any format requirement? Oh, we have mentioned it for, for no other reason, right? Yeah. For, it for no former, but it uh, is suggested to label it as manufacturer registration number in Chinese that is 
境外生产企业注册编号 and then the number yeah in this format. Okay, if you can also type in the chat, would be very helpful, I guess. I also, think Raymond has has already shown shown that in his slides. Oh yeah,、okay. I, I gave、uh, an example of、uh, of how it how it could look like. So I think Alicia, if you could share the slides to the audience、uh, or the video later, then they can right the one with the can, right? Yes, the one with the yeah, yeah, with、uh, the biscuit. The, with the, with the biscuit. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, biscuit, yeah. <laughs> apologies. We have a couple of very interesting questions. I don't know if、uh, we're able to answer them. Yeah, maybe these questions we will check them with the GSC officer later. Okay. So if you have four production sites, so each site should do the registration. Okay. Yeah. That, that,、uh, what about that, the second? That's clear enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what about the following one? We, I think this is a pretty important issue. Yeah, this this question we we need to check with the GSC officer.、Mm. Okay, yeah, one comment for the audience: we have received a lot of questions, and of course, we cannot answer all of them because of time. But we will、uh, answer them by email. If you have, you know, we have where when you register, you fill the email, so we will answer by email to your questions if we haven't answered live. Any other questions? Maybe here. Uh, actually, the corresponding relation with the production is not mandatory to fill in. So yeah, it's, you you don't need to fill in that. Okay, that that's very straightforward. <laughs>、um, then then I think these these were the questions that we had pre-selected. But I think maybe we can go back to the other questions we have in the chat since、yeah. we have some time. Okay, so the, there's another question by、uh, an anonymous attendee.、Uh, What do they mean by the inner and outer packaging for the registration number? Should producers and storage numbers be on them together? So inner packaging and outer packaging. So firstly, the outer packaging refers to the carton. So when you transport your goods, you you have a outer carton. So firstly, the outer packaging, or also known as the carton, will also need the registration number and the inner packaging. Is actually the minimum sales volume, so the retail pack, which which requires that. Yeah. So I I understand the customs officer is is he online now? Yes, I think、uh, he is. So maybe I would just very quickly introduce him, and then we can ask him to please answer some of the questions that we were showing before. I think、um, those we did that we did answer. So.、Um, Yeah,、uh, Director Zhao Yang is the is the director of the TBT Research Center for Inspection, Quarantine Standards, and Technical Regulations. He has been engaged in research for、uh, of food chemical, technical trade measures, risk analysis, and risk warning for many years. He has won many awards from the minister level awards. He has written dozens of relevant books, and he is also one of the main drafter actually of、uh, JCC two forty eight and two forty nine. So, for the discussion with China Customs Officer, I invite you all to watch the video recording of the webinar listed below in the episode notes, or you can find it on EUSME Center's YouTube channel. We have prepared the video with the English subtitles, and also I'm inviting you to reach out and ask any questions if you have regarding the registration. We have become quite professional in that in the past few weeks. <laughs> So yeah, if you have、uh, anything that you're struggling with, I'm really welcome to reach out and have a chat.
So we finally, we have managed to complete this webinar. We are a bit late, 25 minutes, really our apologies for that. But we, we also see that there are many, many questions in the, in the Q&A section that we haven't answered. It's just many questions, it's 80 questions so far. This shows that it's, uh, the situation is still very, very confusing, but hopefully piece by piece, we will be getting there. I also know that there are most of the EU national, the member states, national authorities in China are also dealing with this. I'm confident that soon the situation will be very clear to everybody. Yes, uh, thank you very much for all those that are still online and, and, and listening and happy to answer any questions also by email. So you can also contact me later. So thank you very much again. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. So if you have any additional question, you follow up question, you can just send by email and we will try our best to answer your questions. Thank you for your time today. Bye-bye. Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Business Cast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.